All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, another week in the books. Here to do what we do, discuss our week eight recap. But before we jump into our planned proceedings for this evening, this is a milestone episode. This, as I was alluding to a few weeks ago, is our 25th episode. And not surprisingly, Lou, I was wrong. The 25th anniversary is not the diamond anniversary. I researched this prior to tonight. It's actually the silver anniversary. So check your mailbox for a gift from me and congratulations on riding with me for this long. I've really enjoyed it and I certainly hope you've been enjoying it as well. Well, honey, I hope it's from Tiffany's. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're running a podcast that we dump money into and get no money in return. Ain't nothing coming from <laughs> Tiffany's. This shit came from Kohl's right out the cashier box. <laughs> you bought it from, with your Kohl's cash. <laughs> I made money to go back to Coles after buying this. <laughs> uh, dude, so funny, so oh, funny. Man. But, Lou, oh. my opinion, pretty interesting week this past week when you when you look at some of the it. games and, and the end result, which will be evident about what I'll – when we get to our, our weekly pick-ems, I'm not going to unravel this right now, but I'll talk about our results from this week. And I think uh, super evident from that. But it's, you know, here we are, it's Tuesday evening, week nine, just about 48 hours from from being upon us. Want to make sure you're up to the task, ready to go. Always up to the task, lesson. Don't ever ask me that again. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll move on. Like I just said, this week wasn't super glamorous for us with our our weekly pick-ems. Very strange week in the NFL. You know, you had the Jets upset the Bengals with Mike White clearly proving he's the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, you have the Steelers by far far, and you have the Steelers who upset the Browns and a lot of other games that I think just went completely opposite of what people probably thought. But this is why I love the NFL so much. These quote unquote experts know nothing. Lou, we know nothing. It really is any given Sunday in this league. Um, I have one final note before we jump into our planned schedule, if you will. What I what I'm actually what I love is that the Rams actually continue to prove to us that draft picks do not matter in this league. The salary cap is not real. And as somebody who plays in their division, I actually applaud their aggressiveness and they are playing and planning to win the Super Bowl this year. And I think we've all seen they mean business by going out and acquiring Von Miller. I don't see any issues, uh, to be honest with you, what they're doing. A lot of uh, you know, experts and pundits uh, on social media or, or on uh, you know, ESPN or NFL Network keep on bringing up the fact that they have no draft picks and what have you. But they've been able to build and sustain this type of uh, team for a couple of years now. And I personally feel like they're always competitive. They have the coaching staff. And there's just, there's different ways you can, what's the saying? There's different ways you can make an omelet, different ways to break an egg or what have you. More than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, we, okay, I didn't want to get uh, PETA on our asses right now, but I was going to say that. So, all kidding aside, there's different ways to be successful from a GM standpoint in building a team. The old school adage, oh, we have to build through the draft. That's not for everyone. And no. obviously they're proving it. 
and they just want to take off uh, when it comes to April. You know, <laughs> they don't have to work, and uh, they're just taking a long weekend. Yeah, it's. I think I saw that they have like a fifth, a sixth, and like a seventh maybe in this upcoming draft, something like that. Okay. The, the draft is a crapshoot, a crapshoot anyway. Yep. And where they're going to be picking, I think there was a bust rate from like picks like sixteen to like thirty-two is like significantly high. So who cares? You can't tell me the players that they acquired um, via the trades weren't better performers than the players that were received towards the end of the first round, second round, third round of the draft. I, I totally agree. I think you and I and a lot of other teams' fans are sitting here. Our comment, yeah, it's it's literally like watching an envy. Like, please let our general manager go out and be that aggressive. Although I do, I do personally love watching the NFL draft based on what my team might do. So it might be a little bit of a disappointing of time of, of the year when you're like, ah, uh, I gotta wait till day three and like the end of day three to see what my team might do. But if you're hoisting the Lombardi, like, what does it matter? You know? Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's dive in, beginning as we always do with our hometown takes. Your Chargers took on the New England Patriots. My 49ers took on the Chicago Bears. Uh, let's start with what you, your takeaways from the Chargers' loss against the Pats. Well, pretty much as I uh, said in the last show, this is exactly how I predicted the game was going to go. Um, I just thought, they're going to get outcoached, uh, even though they did come off the bye and what have you. I just felt like this wasn't a good matchup once again. I'm going to get into that in, uh, later on in my uh, bad section uh, with the Chargers. But utterly disappointing. And throughout the whole game, I just found myself being extremely frustrated. You know, for the, I felt like for the entirety of the game, the Chargers were leading. And I just felt like this is not going to last. This is the, the, It's just the game flow – it became like New England style. New England style of game. It was a slower pace, uh, not as an up and down type of game. And I just felt like this is they're going to run out of steam and they're they're going to lose in the last seconds and what have you. But very disappointing. That's the effort that the Chargers put out after coming off the bye. After getting shellacked by the Baltimore Ravens the week prior. Uh, so obviously there are numerous things that they have to work upon. Hopefully this week coming up against the Eagles is a get right game. Uh, if not, then you, then you got to start sounding the alarms and what have you, but uh, utterly disappoint, a disappointing effort from both sides of the ball on the offense and defensive side. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'll let you go through the good, the good and the bad. That is your summarization. But I think most importantly, like you called this when we were talking about the game, right? Like you picked the Patriots to win this game. I picked the Chargers to win this game. And you had mentioned that, you know, I mean, evident by the 45 nothing loss last year and what Bill Belichick was able to, to do in disguise on defense to confuse Justin Herbert. And Bill's just got that way about him where he – he dominates young quarterbacks, you know, like he just puts his, his season mind to work and, and what he knows about this league, but you definitely called it. You said the scheme was going to be overwhelming and present problems for Herbert. And you know, that it did for sure. It's just frustrating because the charges are a better team. Oh, w- without question. Yes. But once again, I've always said, we've, I mean, we've been hammering this point. Coaching matters in the NFL. You can have a better, you can have, you can be a victorious team with a lesser talent on it because your coaching is that much better. Yeah. 
So real quick on that point, because I was having this conversation with somebody that I work with about coaching matter in the NFL. And I was trying to explain to them, like, no surprise that the NFL teams have significantly more coaches and coordinators and position coaches on their sideline than any other sport, right? Like you have a third base coach, a first base coach, a pitching coach, and a general manager, right? Like in baseball, right? And like the NBA, you have like a head coach and like two assistants. In the NFL, you have your head coach more often than not. You have your offense coordinator, you have your defense coordinator, then you have a coach for every single position. Then you have a special teams coordinator, you have an assistant head coach. You have people sitting up in the booth in the air. Like all of this, all of this stuff is you have that many people because it actually matters and you need that keen an eye on every single thing that's taking place in a football game. Yeah, I agree. So um, before we get into uh, the shit show, the Chargers effort this past week, let's start with a little bit good. I'm not going to take too much of your time because there really wasn't too much to <laughs> you know, pound your chest on. Uh, first and foremost, the special teams are halfway decent. They made all their extra points and field goals. Uh, so <laughs> Hey, baby steps when it comes to that, Weston. That's a win. That's a win. Exactly. That is a huge win. Um, In addition, I felt like uh, the Chargers did a fantastic job establishing the run against New England's uh, defense. They probably were giving them the run uh, to try to, you know, stop the passing, the passing attack of Justin Herbert. But they had 20, the Chargers had 20 rushes for 163 yards, which was like a 8.2 average per carry. Significant. Because uh, this is probably one of their better rushing games they've had all year. And speaking on the other side of the ball, they did a, did improve against the run as well. New England is a physical team. They do a great job of dominating that line of scrimmage and establishing the run. But New England only had 39 rushes for 141 yards. That's 3.6 yards per uh, carry average right there. I felt like the Chargers did improve upon that because they were getting gashed against teams like Cleveland, the Cowboys, and the Ravens when it comes to uh, – you know, trying to stop that rushing attack. And that's pretty much it from my standpoint where I saw uh, the positives of this past week. Now, for the bad, tell the uh, audience what I'm doing right now. Lou is drinking. Please go to our YouTube page and you'll see this firsthand. You'll see me sip a little bit as well. (sighs) This team drives me to drink. So you notice how the Chargers had to, you know, they've been starting the last couple of weeks, some fringe-type NFL players on the right side of the offensive line the right uh, backup right guard, backup right tackle. And this was going to be an issue, and I thought this was going to be an issue. Their starting right tackle, Storm Norton, a former XFL player, by the way, allowed eight pressures this past weekend. Their right guard, Michael Schofield, who's nothing much more than a journeyman, allowed three pressures in the sack. Storm Norton, getting back to him, he's allowed 32 pressures over uh, uh, this season on 277 pass blocking snaps. That's third amongst all offensive tackles in the NFL. That right side is get is the obvious weak point. Yep. And you can just see it. You don't you don't need those stats, Wesson, that I just said right there. It's eyeball it's test. An eyeball test. Yep. Herbert is getting bombarded from the right side. And defense and defensive coaches are blitzing doing stunts because there's there's no protection on that right side whatsoever. But let's call it spade a spade here. Herbert also didn't play good either. Once again, you just saw him playing more tentative, double-clutching, pumping, running into his own offensive line, and what have you. And this is another repetitive scenario where when a team uses multiple schemes and multiple fronts, Herbert has to do more thinking post-snap. And that is not where his at his strongest, uh, to be honest with you. So now that's on him, but 
Also, the front offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Let's not forget, Justin Herbert's only in his second year. I feel like we're really forgetting the fact that he's in his second year and learning a new offense once again. So the offensive coordinator has to do a better job of coming up with a plan, I think, for Justin Herbert to help him during times like this. And I just think was telling what they said after post game, how they were saying Justin Herbert was saying, "Well, we were a little confused because we were expecting them to go mostly man uh, during the game, and they showed nothing but cover two, something they've never done uh, throughout the whole season. So we weren't re- too prepared. So who helps prepare the offensive game plan? Offense coordinator. Offensive yeah. coordinator. Two weeks so to prepare was, for it too. Exactly, and that was a damn a damn admission, if you ask me." And he's really going to need Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's really going to need the assistance of uh, Staley and Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, to help him go against these difficult defenses. And I just felt like it was both of their issues. Both Justin Herbert did not play well, and also they had a poor plan and didn't expect those type of defenses from the New England Patriots. And I said it, I think, uh, two weeks ago, the drops, man. The drops are killers. These drops are drive killers. Keenan Allen has six drops on 69 targets, second most in the NFL. I don't know what the hell is going on with him. He, so to compare what he did in 2019 and 2020, he had eight drops in that time frame on 296 targets. Yeah. He only had six this year. He had eight in two years combined. Mike Williams has five this year, which ties him fourth amongst all uh, wide receivers. And uh, Jared Cook has three, which ties the second month's all tight end. These are the issues why they're not fishing on first and second down because of these drops. So even when the play calling is good, their playmakers are not making the plays that they need to make. Yeah, and they find and, themselves in predictable third down scenarios where Bill Belichick's going to eat you alive. It's just that simple. Yeah. You know what? Herbert was bailing them out uh, on all those like third and longs, but you can't do that against – the, the Ravens defense that's complicated. You can't do it against New England's defense uh, that's complicated as well. So th- those that's not going to or like a Steelers defense that's not going to bode well if you if you're not more efficient on first and second down. And he needs his playmakers to step up and start you know hauling the passes. And last but not least, can the Chargers get some help for Joey Bosa in this pass rush? Now I saw a lot a lot of things on Twitter after the game. Where was Joey Bosa? He was absent. A lot of hate for Joey Bosa this past weekend. But this guy is getting doubled and triple teamed at an alarming rate. Do you know he was double teamed 62.5% of the time versus New England? Oh, I believe it. What else? What's the other threat? Why? What's the other Why? threat? There's no, one, there's no one else on that team, on that defensive front, that can win their one-on-ones. Or they are not doing a great job, a uh, good job to even generate pressure on blitzes either. So, you want to talk about the absentee of Joey Bosa? Because he has two to three guys on, on, on more than 50% of the pass rushing down. That is ab- absurd. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's it. That's my, uh, that's my uh, story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm taking another big swig, too. Yeah, I, I think this was a tough pill to swallow for Charger fans because this is, this is a winnable game, right? And this is a game that you – Given the performance that you just had against the Baltimore Ravens, I feel like you would expected more with two weeks to get right to prepare for, for all intents and purposes, an inferior team from a talent perspective. 
but the same woes continued. This is what I was talking about with the 49ers coming off the bye week against the Colts, right? Like nothing changed. Like they might as well have just played that game the following week. It was the same stuff. You mentioned the disappearing. I mentioned two weeks ago that the absence and disappearing disappearing act, that game that Keenan Allen's playing was going to be something that could plague them for the long term if they didn't get it right. And they're still, here we are two weeks later, it doesn't feel like it's getting right and drops, right? Like not helping himself either. But in this game, you know, they were able to take Mike Williams out of the equation, right? So five targets, two receptions, 19 yards, right? Like that's not winnable. That's not a winning formula. But what you did mention was like their 3.8 yards per carry allowed on defense. And to the the opposite effect, the Chargers running for 163, right? You said something to like eight yards per carry. If you just looked at those stats, that's a winning formula. And this game was tight, but it wasn't, it wasn't like what I think we've come to expect over the last 18 months of, of LA Charger football, right? Like up and down the field, very methodic, um, very aggressive. It just doesn't feel that way right now. But the game was still tight. That that pick six from Phillips at the end of the game or in the fourth quarter, that was just a big spot, a big play in a big spot that just took all the winds that wind out of their sails, right? Like I, I just didn't see any, there was no opportunity to recover from that. And to me, that kind of put the game away because they were already playing deflated and to have something like that. Like I said, it takes the wind right out of the sails. But really, if you go to the stat line, if you didn't watch a ton of the game, two things that stood out to me the most that I think are why the result was what it was. And it came down to third down conversions and time of possession. So New England was 9 of 19 on third downs versus the Chargers being 4 of 12. And there was an 11-minute differential in time of possession in the game. And that's the game that the the Patriots want to play every single week, right? Like they want that's, to keep your defense. That's Patriot, that's Patriot yeah. style football. Right they want to get your offense off the, and it sounds like, like every NFL team should want to do this, but this is Patriot football to a T. They're going to get their defense off the field on third down. They're going to keep your defense on the field on third down, and they're going to control the clock. Right. So they can keep with a rookie quarterback, not necessarily have to play from behind, play catch up ball. Right. They can just keep it close and keep it within striking distance. And then that's what they did. And then the defense makes a big play to take the game away. Right. Like that's what it boils down to. And in a game where the Chargers, unfortunately, just lacked explosive plays. You just saw it, right? Like the writing was on the wall that there wasn't going to be like, I know they had the the Palmer touchdown at the end of the game to make this like look a little bit closer than garbage. it was like on paper, but it's garbage time, yeah, right? That's a, garbage. that's a fantasy football touchdown for people like me who have Justin Herbert as their quarterback, um, which really didn't prove to be helpful anyway. But that being said, like, that's all that was. Um, but I'm disappointed. I picked the chargers. I was expecting a lot more of them. I know you were, you know, coming out of the bye week coming off uh, for all intents and purposes, what was an embarrassing loss to, it's never embarrassing to lose to Baltimore just in the fashion in which they did, you thought. But now they have an opportunity, like you said, playing Philadelphia. I believe this game's home. I don't think they're coming East Coast for that. No, game, it's, right? no it's East Coast. It is East Coast. It's the coming to the East Coast, yeah. Well, they have an opportunity to mop up on some terrible competition, right? Like, and, th- and that's they, a, need, and, and they, they have to. They have to win in convincing fashion. This can't be a close game, or then Charger fans are going to say, oh, I know this team. This is the Anthony Lynn LA Chargers, right? This is the. North Turner, LA Chargers, right? Like it's just insert fill in the blank. 
Hey, live look at us, uh, uh, Chargers fans right now. We are that guy from the water boy. Oh, no, we suck again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and you don't. And you know you don't, right? Like, and you're playing yeah. in a... No, you don't. You don't. Like, I still think you are the best team in the division. I still believe that. Um, on paper, I think you have all the tools to be the best. Like, and we'll talk about this in in a little bit. But like, did the Chiefs do anything on Monday night to impress you against like a helpless Jason Garrett led offense of the the New York Football Giants in their own home stadium? No, we know the Raiders will come back to reality. Like, we just we just know that's going to happen. Yeah. This is still a winnable division, man. Like, what are they, a, a game and a half out based on, you know, maybe two games, but with, what have they played? Seven, right? And this is week eight. They've played seven games, so they got 10 games left. I mean, anything can happen. We'll see. All right. You must be on cloud nine, though. Uh, cloud six and a half, right? I know that's not even a saying, okay. but that's the reality of what I am. So, 49ers played the Bears. Um I said, I've been saying it for multiple weeks, like a few of these games were like must win games. But if you look at what some of the other bottom feeders and the, the NFC did this week, this game was definitely must win. Right. So I'll start with the bad because honestly, sometimes in a win, it's hard to find a lot of bad. I think there was a few things that were bad here, like another week. And another major injury, albeit this one was prior to the game and it's been something that's lingering, but it's official now where Javon Kinlaw is having season ending surgery on his knee. This literally just seems to be the story of the 49er season. Like every week somebody's going on IR. It's a huge loss for the defensive line. Um, and potentially is at this so? point. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it is, man. It is he was pretty- because he's still just another big body that eats up gaps. Like the one thing you can't take away from him right now is he might not have developed his skill of shedding blockers. Um, and getting to that 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 ball carrier in the backfield, but he's still a 300-pound man that has all the strength in the world that it can at least hold his ground and clog up a lane, right? Like, at the very least, he's clogging up a lane. And one of the things that the 49ers touted coming into the season that I was high on was the depth at defensive line. And now there's another piece gone. And more importantly, is this another potentially huge miss on a draft prospect, right? Again, just kind of proving the Rams theory that, like, our first round draft picks even worth it, right? Like get me somebody that's proven, et cetera. But I, like I said, surprisingly, I don't have a ton of bad from this game. We gave up 145 yards on the ground, which is actually pretty uncharacteristic of this defense. But Justin Field accounted for 103 of those, right? So it wasn't necessarily yeah, you coming guys back. Have, you guys have problems against bro, a quarterback. Bro, yes, we do. The struggles continue. They are very real. And he had a couple big time scrambles. Like one that comes to mind is we held, it was fourth in like a long one. We had him dead to rights in the backfield by two different def- defensive linemen. And he just boop, boop, right out. Of, look, look, a really impressive run by him. An average quarterback is clearly not making this um, and takes it to the freaking house, let alone getting the first down, right? In like a crucial spot. I'm going to talk a little bit more um, about that when I'm highlighting a certain player in their play. Penalties continue seven for 55. That's a coaching issue. That is undisciplined play. That's when it, when it rears its ugly head week after week, after week, after week, I'm no longer looking at the players. I'm now looking at the coaches. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like we should spend all, these guys are NFL players at this point, seven weeks in eight weeks in, they know the playbook. They know the scheme, let them watch film and let's work on like, not 
putting our hands all over a wide receiver unnecessarily when you're out of the freaking play to begin with, you know? So I feel like that's either poor uh, coaching from uh, the position coaches, you know, teaching techniques or what have you, or that could be poor coaching from the head coach in regards to they don't know what they're going to be, need to be doing, you know, during certain situations. Yeah. So they're, th- they're thinking more than they're actually playing. It's, it's still coaching, right? Like it, it's yeah. still coaching. Um, what I just said about the chargers, I have the same, same note here about the 49ers that some glaring obvious struggles were related to third downs on both sides of the football and time of possession. So we were four of 10 on third downs and we gave up eight of 15 on third downs. We, so we were probably at like, what's that? 40%, 40% offensively and 60 and giving up 60% defensively. Like that's not the bounce that you want. We need to get off the field on a more consistent basis and time of possession. We were 15 minutes. So it was 37 minutes of ball possession by the Chicago bears, 22 minutes for the San Francisco 49ers. So that's the bad. Right. But I think there's there's more good here. A win is a win, uh, a team that you should beat, um, And I think they the first half was a very close football game. I think in the second half, the 49ers kind of proved that they were absolutely positively the better football team. But a win after four straight losses. Hey, we won the turnover battle. We forced one at the end of the game. We didn't turn the ball over. Hey, big shocker. Look how the game ends up when you don't turn the football over. I'm going to continue on. I hope I'm I'm continuing on this and I'm repeating myself week over week, but Elijah Mitchell is just continuing to ball out. Very good. 18 for 137 in a TD. I've heard this comparison from other 49er pundits that he's, he is Raheem Mostert, right? Like, yes, they have different running styles in terms of who's upright and who runs more like a running back, but they're four, three guys, right? They're one plant and go type of guys. Um, but I think like that really showcased itself this weekend against the Bears. But what I like about Mitchell is he runs a little bit more compact. Like most are packs a punch, but he runs he's physical. Right. Yeah, he's physical for you know for not a massive massive guy at all. The other I player for the stat was I think I think he had over like a hundred yards rushing after yards after contact or something like that. Like yeah, he, so he ran for one thirty seven and one hundred and thirty five of those were right? were after contact. Yeah. That is, is Derrick Henry type stuff right there. Yeah, dude. Um, And and big chunk yardage gains too, right? Like not just like 28 carries or 30 carries, right? Like 18 for 137. Like that's pretty impressive. The other player I want to shout out right now is Debo. Yeah. He's, dude, he's just balling out, right? Like six for 171. He had a super impressive quick screen that he took 83 yards that should have went to the house, but he was down on the one yard line. Thankfully uh, we were able to punch that ball in, but he's got 819 yards receiving on the season through six games, right? No, seven games. And that's second only to Cooper cup in the NFL right now. So like he's balling, but while I'm going to, I'm going to sing his praises, he's dropping some balls too, right? Like you talked about Keenan Allen dropping some rocks, like Debo had two, obvious drops early in this game that were drive killers right like what would have been second and two is now second and ten right like what would have been third and one is now second and nine right like those are things that potentially they kill drives at the very least they kill drives if not games 
Um, what I think is very, very important and what I took most positively away from this game is that I finally saw some aggressive play calling from Kyle. Finally, finally. And I think there is some truth to the rumor or truth to what you're hearing that play callers like players just need to build some momentum, right? Like they need to get, they need confidence as well that things are being executed and things that they're calling are working. So they're not even second guessing themselves. And the 49 er moved, they moved the ball this week. The 49 like, you know what I mean? Like we offensively looked all right. Like the O-line held up in protection for Jimmy. Zero sacks. I haven't seen that in a game for Jimmy in a long time. Now I know they didn't have Khalil Mack. I get all of that. But the defense still gets paid to play too. And when your QB goes untouched in the game, it actually helps, right? Like Jimmy had a lot of time back there. And speaking of this man, what made me the most elated was I saw him finally throw the ball down the field. Like it wasn't just dinking and dunking. He had the big bomb to Debo right before the half. He missed on a deep attempt to Ayuk. But still see, it, you still have to have the perceived threat that you're willing to throw the ball down the field, and they did that. And when you do that, guess what? There's no longer eight people in the box. Sometimes those safeties get a, get a little deeper, and they don't cheat up. And then when you have a good, strong running game like the 49ers do, you can run the ball a little bit more at will and with a little bit more ease. So love that. Um Ayuk had the most snaps he's had at wide receiver. He had the most snaps for wide receivers in this game. First time we've seen that. Couple targets, couple catches. I saw him blocking down the field. I saw him playing with heart. He had the two-point conversion. He remains and continues to get open. Now it's about just finding with the football, and it seems like he's earned back the trust to at least – I mean, dude, he outsnapped Debo outsnapped everybody else at wide receiver. So is there trust there to keep him out on the field? I almost gave this man offensive player of the week, Jimmy G running for two touchdowns on designed runs. And yes, you heard that right. Not Trey Lance, but Jimmy G ran for two touchdowns. One of which was. Uh, in... you, you love Jimmy G again. Just like no, 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 I know. Right. This is like, <laughs> I am the quintessential like 49ers fan right now. Like keep Jimmy in. You know, I'm not that guy. And I, and we can talk about that at a later date and time. But, you know, they are my team. And any player on my team, I want to play well. I'm never rooting for anybody to not have success because at the end of the day, I want the W. And it takes all 11 on O and all 11 on D to get the W. But what was so crazy, Lou, was one of those actual, one of those touchdowns was an actual design option. Not a read option in, you know, like behind the center. An option, like a wing T option running play and Jimmy kept it and barreled into the end zone almost to be like, I can do this shit too. This is what you want to see from number five. Well, number 10 is going to bring it. I'm not a dummy. Number five can still do it infinitely better, but I thought it was very telling that in those situations, I would have had number five on the field running that play. You know what I mean? Like it increases our odds, but they didn't, but you know what? Most importantly, in a game they had to win, they got the W. Surprisingly, at three and four, they're actually in still in clear contention for the seventh, if not even the sixth playoff spot, because there's so much disparity between the top of the NFC and the bottom of the NFC. And dude, like, no more Jamius. Like, the Saints have been pretending for a little while this year, like, it's going to catch up with them. So they're going to be fending towards that bottom. 
there are five teams that clearly sit at the top. Those final two playoff spots are wide open amongst six or seven teams in the NFC right now. And next up for us, got the the wounded Arizona Arizona Cardinals limping in, most likely without Kyler Murray and starting Colt McCoy, potentially even without DeAndre Hopkins. And again, another reason why I I love the NFL. Things change week to week in this league, baby. Yo, you know what you need to do? You need to go back a couple episodes. Season's over. Season's done. Season's still over, Lou. The season is still... No, it's still over. It's still... Dude, it is is still over. But the glimmer of hope... The glimmer of hope is still there for a little while longer because of other teams not holding up their end of the bargain. Like, the Minnesota Vikings should have beat the Dallas Cowboys. Should have beat the Dallas Cowboys. And that would have put them a spot up in favor, right? Like, things like that are happening that are just keeping these teams at the bottom they're just they're feeding them with hope and you know what after a week after four weeks of games that we should have won that i watched our team lose and i finally got a w i'm gonna be on my fucking high horse a little bit all right well lesson um it's funny because uh when i went to go vote today uh i didn't see your name on the ballot you're such a freaking flip-flopper here (laughs) I'm uh, I am still bearish and I still believe at this point in the season, based on where we are and what is in is most likely improbable ahead of us. I still want to see Trey Lance out on the field. I still want to see him take his lumps, but like a fan is right. Fan stands for fanatic. And I am fanatical about my team when they win a football game the week after that, is always just a little sweeter. Yeah, so um, I can't add too much uh, observations about the uh, 49ers Bears game because I was it was Halloween. I decided to be a good father and you know t- you know take my daughter out for trick or treating, what have you. Uh, but when the four o'clock game came on, you know all bets are off. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I didn't I didn't really watch too much of the game. But well, I will say this: this could be one of those defining moments in your season, like that jump, like that jumping, uh, jump board, like the, get the schneid and start like putting together some wins right now. Like you said, you have an injured, uh, Arizona team, you know, you're going to be facing this week and what have you. Hopefully start chaining some of this momentum back to back weeks to secure that seventh or, or maybe six uh, playoff spot. So I should clarify that I watched the second half of this game from my cell phone through my direct TV app while trick or treating meeting people <laughs> that are like the parents are that we went trick-or-treating with their children are in my son's preschool class. So this is the first time I've ever hung out with these people like outside and they invited us. So I'm like, all right, of course we got to go. So I'm dressed as a six foot squirrel as my Halloween costume, walking around red bank with my phone in my hand, not socializing with these people or trying my best to like socialize, but all I am is fixated on that game through my phone. And once I threw that final pick, I was like, all right, I can relax and put that phone back in my pocket. Enjoyed a little bit of trick or treating to my kid at like asked out and overdosed from candy while eating on the, on the go. But dude, that's the first time 
I would classify that as I almost missed the 49ers game, right? Like I still watched every play, but it was not in the manner in which I watch every game normally since Hurricane Sandy hit us. And it was a Monday night and the 49ers played the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night football. And the game started at eight o'clock and my power went out at 7.57 p.m. and missed that game. So the first time in nine years that I didn't watch a 49ers game in my own environment. That's deep, man. That's yeah, deep. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt. So you're freaking out. I'm freaking out about our own teams and for different reasons. Let's talk about some other teams. Let's overreact for a little while. What's your first overreaction? And before you give it to me, is it negative or is it positive? Well, I'm, I have a lot of negative to say about the Chargers. So I'm trying to, you know, basically switch that mind state. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to stay in the state of California, though. L.A. Rams. I'm feeling. I, if I'm a L.A. Rams fan, uh, or the L.A. Ram, or players in that locker room, I'm elated this past week. Not only did they cover that four, 14 and a half point spread against the Houston Texans, but their ownership once again, all gas, no breaks. I thought it was a fantastic move bringing in Von Miller. I know he's aging and what have you. He still has gas in the tank, man. I mean, through seven weeks, he has four and a half sacks and nine QB hits. That's, 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 that's still pretty impressive. He's on pace for a double digit, uh, you know, sacks this year, especially when you line up against, you know, line up uh, next to Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, he's going to get those one-on-ones. I wouldn't be surprised if he has 12 or 13 sacks in that defense, uh, to be honest with you. But if I am a Rams fan or a Rams player, the fact that my ownership is showing the initiative to go all out and really try to secure this Super Bowl, I have to be ecstatic uh, because all the other contenders in, in the NFC conference did not do nearly as much as they did uh, by adding Von Miller. Yep. Um, look, I'm as a 49ers fan who has to see them still twice this season, I'm disappointed, right? Like, it's just like the West just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, but I agree. If I'm a Rams fan, I'm elated at the fact that you just, you just continue. Like, I already know what my offense is capable of, and I'm not sure if there's a defense that can actually shut down what the offense is doing. Now I have a defense that I feel even more confident in, and I think you hit the nail right on the head. Aging Von Miller, often injured Von Miller, but he's no longer carrying the weight of I am the face of this defense. Aaron Donald is double teamed on every single snap. So even if Von Miller is often double teamed, then it's worth the investment because Floyd is coming free or coming one-on-one and he's going to win those matchups. So like pick your poison yeah, against I, that defense. I, I do expect him to have kind of like a similar uh, pre- uh, presence like what uh, Julius Peppers did with the Packers. Yeah. You know, he was aging, right? Wasn't yep. he aging? But he was an impact uh, player. Same, exactly, exactly. This, this is how I see that. And here you are, you're the players in the Rams locker room, and you realize, you know, you, you, you're a good team and what have you. But sometimes, you you know, you rest on your laurels, right? This, like, I feel like injects a little more energy, perhaps. Like, yo, we got Von Miller. All right, let's go now. Let's do this. So the fact that the, I also think it's good for the locker room, too. He's a great locker room presence. 
uh, kudos to uh, the Rams owner. Yeah. And GM. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, this is just like such an, can't believe that move. I mean, when you look at it at the end of the day, obvious on both sides, why it's good, right? Like Denver was never going to resign him after this year anyway, given injury history and what his contract was going to demand and they're rebuilding. So to acquire draft picks instead of getting nothing for him or just a comp pick, no brainer. And if somebody's coming to me and saying like, Hey, it takes a second and a third to get Von Miller. Like, okay. Especially when my team's competing, it's not like I'm a basement team and there's no reason don't, for don't, it. Yeah. Don't forget where they're picking in those second and third. Rounds. Exactly. The exactly. The, those are the values of the players that they're getting is really third. Those fourth. are third and fourth round picks. Exactly. Yep. Cool. All right. So I'm overreacting positively and I'm going, I'm going to Wisconsin and I'm dealing with the, the cheese heads. Jesus, dude. You and I both picked Arizona to to win this game. Mm-hmm. And I've the way I have felt about the Green Bay Packers for quite a few years is I would almost compare them to the Buffalo Bills of the early 90s. Okay. To the big yeah. game, but just can't get over the hump. And they weren't even getting to the big, big game. They were just getting to the big game. But they went in to Arizona against an undefeated football team. That at the start of that football game, by the way, yeah, bro, shorthanded is like not even a word for it, right? Like, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard going in there with receivers like Equiminius St. Brown, which is still the all time greatest NFL football name, if you ask me. Going in there with a dude named Winfrey, who I've never seen before, who looks like an actual legit player. And they went in there and they pounded the football. And Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers. He did account for quite arguably the top 10 mean of meme of all time. That's like <laughs> unbelievable that what I would I saw the day after from what they were putting out there. But I just think they are making a really compelling argument to be not just from their record, but to be the best team in the NFC right now. Like that's a big deal to go down and do to Arizona what they did. And, and what they did was they got a win, right? Like they stole a win in a game that was really tight when they were under man. And I'm actually going to give a lot of this credit to Matt LaFleur as a head coach. I thought he was somebody who was kind of riding in Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay's shadow, even though his record is like stellar, but he inherited a super talented team. Yeah. He inherited Aaron Rodgers, right? Like that's an, enough in itself. And Devontae Adams, like that in itself is, is enough. But what I loved most about this win in this game was how they got A.J. Dillon going in a huge way in a very important game. So meaningful snaps. A.J. Dillon is a bruiser. And if you can get him the work in the fourth quarter to close out games, a la Derrick Henry, and I'm not saying he's Derrick Henry, but used in that similar fashion, like, beating up on the defensive players. Like when you tackle that man, you know, you tackled that man. Like that's how big Dylan is, but you control the clock and control the fourth quarter of the game. You're going to win tight games like this. And I think you get into colder weather games in green Bay, playing some home playoff games. That's going to pay off dividends down the stretch. And I think uh, if I'm a green Bay Packers fan right now, I'm saying to myself, if there's ever a year we get from the, the game to the big game, this is the year. Damn, you stole 
all of my thunder right there, bro. <laughs> all of it. Uh, because I wanted to stay positive once again because I had nothing but negativity when it came to covering my team. And my, my second freak out in a positive standpoint were the Green Bay Packers. And bravo for them, you know, go, you know traveling on a you know, short, shortened week, you know, shorthanded against an Arizona Cardinals defense, uh, team that's pretty impressive. I think what really st- stood out, I was like talking to a friend of mine, and I think what really stood out to me is, yo, they can beat you so many different ways. They can go up and down the field offensively in a shootout, but they just showed that they can grind it out with their, both of their running backs too. And even utilize, I feel like uh, they utilize their running backs differently than a lot of other teams, but they're showing that they can, they're going to be a problem because of, there's two completely different styles of football they can play from an offensive standpoint. And they did a fantastic job of containing uh, Kylo Murray. I thought they did a great job making make sure he didn't escape the pocket. They were harassing him all, all day. And don't forget, they're getting back, uh, David Bakhtiari back, which will uh, man the left, hand, the, the left side of that offensive line, move Jenkins inside where he belongs. So they're getting more healthy as time goes on. And they got Whitney Merciless, too, on that trade from – Houston Texans, he did pretty good. Uh, they did some interesting things with him, lining him over the guard where he uh, applied numerous different, uh, numerous pressures against Kyler Murray. This team could be a possible problem. I always thought you always thought it was going to be Tampa Bay. Uh, you, now you have Dallas emerging, but don't forget about the Green Bay Packers. No, I, I agree. I, I just think the one thing they have going against them right now and I believe in this in in professional sports, not just the NFL, the ghosts of Christmas past are real, right? Like they let's say they get to the NFC championship, regardless of who they're who they playing. Who, who they're playing then? Are they playing the Cowboys then? Who's the go who, who's the who who's battling which ghost there? Yeah, no, I think Aaron Rodgers is a if I had to, if I had to see this right now, I'm saying Rams, Packers. NFC championship and then the issue that I think the Packers run into is here we go again like and a little doubt might like hey we did everything right we've executed for what would amount to at that point 19 games or 18 games to even get to that point if they have the first round by and have a, a home game or 19 if they have to play in a, a wild card or a divisional series and then like I said, here we go again. Like that doubt like creeps in. It's it's almost to me the same thing as a Super Bowl hangover. And I know people are like, oh, the Super Bowl hangover is not real. Yes, it is. Because it's so hard to get to a Super Bowl. And when you don't win it, deflation everywhere. And what most often, more often than not, you don't return all those members of that team that got you to the Super Bowl in the first place. So all these things are real. And I think that's that's like their obstacle right now. But that's an obstacle that I would sign up for any day of the week, like get me to that game and we'll figure it out. Exactly. You know? exactly. Exactly. All right. Who's your other freaking out then? So I'm staying positive. Uh, surprise, surprise. And this oh, one's both. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and, this, both stay positive. and this one's real short and sweet, but um, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm, I'm super excited. Like has any team had a more <laughs> successful bye week in the, in the NFL history? They get an extra uh, week to rest, heal up, plan for the Minnesota Vikings, but they just watch the jets knock off the Bengals. The Steelers took down the Browns, and just like that, the division and the AFC goes back through Baltimore, and they didn't even have to play a game mm-hmm. to make that happen. So if I'm Raven fans, I'm like, 
well, goddamn, this couldn't have unfolded any single better or any way better on my bye week. And now I get to go in to take on a take on a team that's reeling in their own right from losing a game to a backup quarterback at home and they got to come to me. Let's go, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. So overreacting is always fun. I wish I was some of these teams sometimes when I'm being real positive. It's been a while since I've been positive about my own team. I was going to say, but I don't think we've named our teams. <laughs> I was one one week. I was positive about your Chargers. One week. Um, yeah. And that was like, a, then the following week happened. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few weeks since that's happened. So, yeah. like we always do, let's pivot into our offensive and defensive performance of the week. Lou, lead us off on the offensive side of the ball. Who's get who got your game? Who's got number one game ball on the offensive side? I feel like this is the only time we're going to be able to do this throughout the whole year. I'm showing some love to the New York Jets backfield with Mike White and Michael Carter. Oh, you're stealing two people. Okay, okay. No, I'm stealing two people, bro. I got to give some love to the Jets Jets this weekend, the Jets fans, uh, because it's been a long, long time. Perhaps, what, Vinny Tessaverde, Chad Pennington. That's probably the last time they had a good performance from a quarterback. But Mike White came in, balled out, 37 for 45, 405 yards. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think he led all passes in yardage. Correct. Got three touchdowns, two interceptions. And let's not forget about Michael Carter, who a guy that we covered extensively during the Senior Bowl, uh, one of our earliest shows uh, during the War Talking Football podcast. He ran 15 times for 77 yards and a touchdown. And, oh, yeah, Ho Hummelly uh, had nine catches for 95 yards as well. So he showed up. He showed out as well against a pretty improved Bengals defense. So kudos to the Jets not laying laying down. And Mike White did this when there was no Corey Davis either on the field. So uh, well, it's one of their better offensive weapons. So shout out to the Jets in their backfield right there. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So I had each one of those individually as my number one and number two play offensive players of the week. Oh, yeah, so l- you listen. Stole, yo, you saw the Packers from me, I, I'm, I'm fine with this. Like, Jet fans, like, this is the only time this is probably happening all year. So we're going to give you all the love and all the praise. Hey, I may or may not have said last week on our show that like Michael Carter is probably a must start in fantasy. And I got to go back to that. I, I, so caveat to this. I mentioned, I mentioned one player when I was talking about the running back position and then I threw him in as a, but you can go, I'll even, if we had screen sharing, I'd share my notes right now. And I started him in two leagues, so I'm feeling really good about Michael Carter right okay. now. What I do think is like, hey, Mike White's an anomaly. Here's my theory on backup quarterbacks in the NFL. They come in, like, take Cooper Rush, for example, in the Cowboys game against the Minnesota Vikings, right? Like, he played, by all accounts and purposes, played a really good football game, right? And they won the game. He threw the game-winning touchdown on a beautiful throw to Amari Cooper. But Backup quarterbacks, when they come in, there's no pressure. Like, every Jet fan was like, well, we're losing this game, right? The Cowboy fans are like, I'm going to lose this game. Just play within the offense and let it rip. You got nothing to lose. But on the flip side of that, when you play really, really well, and you may win the starting job or be the sustained starter for a little while, things look a little bit different when you're the starting quarterback, when there's expectations and things of that nature. And then you quickly realize Oh, that's why they were a backup in the NFL. It becomes very obvious. You know who the primary 
Who do you think is the prime example of this over the last like four years in the NFL? Oh, all right. Uh, Give you a hint. I think he's on his third team since his like being very prominent. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Okay. I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have. Goes on a Super Bowl MVP tear, right? Like wins the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles for the first time in franchise history. Um, Wentz comes back. Foles goes down to Jacksonville. Eventually loses a starting gig to Gardner Minshew. Goes to Chicago. Can't even get on the football field over a rookie right now. Again, when you come in as a backup quarterback, you have nothing to lose. Let it rip. Just like trust the play call, trust your eyes, and go with it. But when there's expectations, yeah, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to go back to where you were yeah. right there before. And when you and but when money's on the line and you're getting paid to be a starter and like your franchise is banking on you, like it becomes really real and it's just a different set of expectations. And that's what it comes down to. So since you stole mine, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna do a double take for you too. And I'm going to bring this to my hometown take, but I'm grabbing Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell um, from the 49ers. So we talked about Debo, uh, or excuse me, Elijah Mitchell. What was it? Wait, Debo six for 171. He had that 83 yard quick screen should have been a tutty. You know, Elijah Mitchell went 18 for 137 in a touchdown. So between those two players, you're talking about 308 total yards of offense between two guys in a W and, so since you stole my first two, those are the ones that I'll end with. All right, all right. We got one more that's not those defensive. two. All right, let's go defensive because we've been taking a lot of time. Okay. Yeah, I got yeah. Uh, defensive player of the week. I got to do this. It kills me to do this. I, was, I am and was a huge fan of him. Adrian Phillips with the safety for New England Patriots, uh, former Charger, by the way. But he's a really good player. He can play strong safety, free safety, linebacker. Uh, he, he implement them everywhere on that defense. But he had two interceptions and the game-winning touchdown for New England uh, to seal the game against the Chargers. So he was one of my, uh, one of my uh, players I had for the defensive player of the week. Yeah. I'm feeling like such a homer right now because my oh number – Oh, my God. Who do you got? My number one is Nick Bosa, bro. Three tackles, three all three tackles that are documented for a loss, two sacks, and he was in the backfield – all game long. He is literally single-handedly the reason that Justin Fields had big scrambles and ran all over the field because they were all off-schedule plays. None of them were designed quarterback runs. They were him evading pressure. And I know D'Amico Ryans is in there coaching up this team like, yo, when you need, there needs to be containment, right? Like when our DNs are blowing up field, especially Bosa, like, and pushing them to the outside because that's just the way it's going to be. But, dude, not to sound like a homer, but he was legitimately in the backfield every single offensive snap. Like, it was it was crazy. Like, I, he had two sacks. He could have easily had four more if it wasn't against an uber-athletic quarterback. Like, had his hands on this guy, everything. Justin Fields is just exceptional at biding time and, and being a mobile quarterback. But he was, by definition – to me, the most disruptive defensive player this week. I have one more, too, real quick. Yep. Um, I believe about uh, this past weekend, I was there by the Dallas Cowboys made uh, Jerron Curse 
the, the signal caller on the defense. He has a green dot in the back of the helmet and what have you. And they took that away from Micah Parsons. Uh, they want Parsons to play a little faster and what have you. And don't worry about making the uh, correct play calls. And it really showed because Micah Parsons, if you watch that Dallas Cowboys versus the Minnesota Vikings game, he was all over the field and he did a fantastic job, not only helped stuff in the run, but also did a great job in pass coverage and what have you. But he had 11 tackles, four tackles for a loss in the QB hit. And he was, he was one of the main reasons why that Dalvin Cook gave me close to 80 yard mark yep. uh, rushing standpoint. He, he was, he was flying all over that field because frankly, he didn't have to think about anything. Just go out there and do what, you know, the play was supposed to do. You have to worry about putting people in certain alignments or what have you. They gave to Jerron curse and they, he just played, played his game, man. And the reason why I'm saying him is because he was one of my guys coming out. Yes, he was. In the draft process. So, yep. So I had a handful of others like, Justin Simmons, I thought, played a great game. Shaq Thompson, Josh Allen, Jordan Poyer had himself a game. Josh Sweat had himself a game. But there's one player that I want to also call out, and it's because it's probably the first and only time I'll try to pronounce this name in the 2021 calendar year. But linebacker from the Atlanta Falcons, Foyasad Olukan, who's a young linebacker out of Yale. Lou, this man had 16 tackles in an NFL game, 13 of them were solo tackles, right? So it's okay. Like when it's, it's joint, but to, to me, this man just was finding the football, right? When you play the linebacker, but it's not like a safety coming up, like where it's really bad. If you're safety, who's like, doesn't play in the box is making 16 tackles. That means the ball's all, <laughs> all over the secondary and in 20 and 30 yards downfield. Um, but he's just an off the ball linebacker who was making plays and, you know, uh, I'll give kudos to the the young LB out of Yale for his uh, 16 tackles this week. Pretty impressive performance. Oh. All, All right, right, so Good we're having I'm having a fun time tonight. I know we're probably destroying ourselves on time. Like, thank God we're not in Ming Studio because he would have booted us out like probably like a half hour ago. But we got a little more to go here. I'm sure we can we can summarize. But mm-hmm. heading into Week Nine right now. Give me something that you're keeping an eye on, game, player, matchup. What are you looking out for? Uh, Alpha in the room has to be the Packers versus Chiefs. They're two historic franchises with two legendary quarterbacks. What is there not to like there? I want to see, yeah, the Chiefs did win uh, against the Giants, but I want to see if they can really show that they're fully back with a statement win against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Packers are coming off like a little mini-buy, you know, playing that Thursday night game. I know they're getting some reinforcements back. Uh, but, you know, sometimes when you play a good game like that, there's always a letdown game the following week. Just interesting how this is going to pretty much, uh, you know, uh, take place on this past uh, this couple coming Sunday. Yeah, I, I think it's probably the most obvious game on on the, the schedule and something I'm excited for. Did not have it on my list. I think, I think the Chiefs are just disappointing this year, right? So I don't think, like, if this was last year, I'd probably have that docketed a little higher. But for me – number one priority is actually the Browns versus the Bengals. So to me, this is a big matchup in the AFC North, both coming off of losses, Bengals coming off a huge letdown against the New York Jets and the Browns with a division loss against the Steelers. I personally, Lou, think the Browns need this win more than the Bengals do. I agree. But, um, But a great matchup in the black and blue division. Like if the Bengals lose this game, it's kind of in line with like Bengal expectations, but they're still in a great spot. They're still above 500. 
like still mm-hmm. are competitive in, in not just the division, but the conference. The Browns lose another one in the division. Um, it's tough sledding for them for the, the rest of the year and just yet another year with lofty expectations um, that I even put on these, these Cleveland Browns because I thought they, on paper, got exponentially better on the defensive side of the ball. Um, another loss is not going to bode well for them. It's an offense that hasn't uh, really uh, progressed like it should have. Yep. Um, they've done a trim- The defense has been pretty damn good. It's just the offense banged up uh, with Mayfield, the running backs, the offensive line. Uh, a lot of disconnect with their playmakers too. Odell, Landry, he was banged up and what have you. I think that's what the issue is for the, the yeah. Browns. I did have one. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I was well. I was just going to say yeah. the the obvious disappearance of OBJ from this, and we talked about this in the off season where we said like, "Hey, does this offense work better without him?" And we both felt that it probably did because it wasn't force feeding the diva, and you know you were playing mm-hmm. within the play call. Mm-hmm. But it's like they're still not forcing it, and things are still just not clicking. Like I've. And I'm wondering if they're even avoiding him intentionally. I saw a clip going around that was shared with me yep. earlier today about him. From Odell's father, right? Yeah, running all over the field. Free Odell, right? Hashtag free Odell, where he's running all over the field, wide open, and ain't nobody looking for him with the rock. Yeah. I have a sneaky uh, what to watch for this week. All right. There's a battle of two one seven teams, the Texans and the Dolphins. Now, why am I caring about uh, the Texans versus the Dolphins, because I'm interested to see how Tua is going to audition for his future team next year, the Texans. So, um, and I'm will Deshaun be in the stadium looking at his future team? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm interested in how uh, Tua is going to do uh, uh, during his interview process. I never saw a live interview uh, before, but uh, this is going to be interesting, I think, yeah. this week. Um, I had another game. I had two other games. Um, one of them is obviously a homer game, but the uh, – the other one for me, and it's just because I'm a sucker for divisional matchups because I always think they're the most competitive games, is Falcons versus the Saints. I still think Atlanta's a little bit better than their record tells, right? They play in close mm-hmm. football games, but I think the Saints have been pretenders. And I think that's going to be – I think com- their defense keeps – Keeps them in games. A different team. Yeah, the def- – Yeah, the they are – game, defense. Yeah. It's no longer the Drew Brees-led New Orleans Saints. Like – um but I think it's going to be interesting to see who they trot out at quarterback. Is it Simeon? Is it Taysom Hill? I honestly don't think it matters, but I do not for one second believe that this team is the five and two team that their record says they are. And I think this might be game one where they come back to reality. Okay. We'll see. All right. So Lou are sometimes. Yeah, our sometimes favorite and sometimes not so favorite segment, depending upon yeah, what we, week. Yeah, we did awful last week. Bro. Yeah. Bro. So I did go back to week six, by the way. Okay, how did we do? You went 12 and two. I told you you were to week six, bro. I went, 11, I went 11 and three. That, that's both impressive statistics. Yeah. And last week I was a game better than you. And really? you, were, you were a game better. Well, Week seven, excuse me. When I was nine and four, you were eight and five. Week eight, you were seven and eight. Yeah. I was five and ten. Ooh, so I think I'm winning. So, so for, for the season, you are 27 and 15, and I am 25 and 17. All right, let's do this thing. Yeah. 
So I went back, kept track. So now this is a real tally moving forward, right? We're all in the books. I love it. So let's let's get after it. Starting with Thursday night, Jets Colts. Give me the Colts. Yeah, I'm, I'm Colts too. I'm uh, sure a short week at home, coming off what is arguably the biggest win for the Jets in the last like four years. Like, it's yeah, a letdown. He only has a couple of days. He only has a couple of days. Mike Way only has a couple of days to prep for it. Yeah. Uh, the Colts played the Titans pretty tough this past week. Like we both predicted, it was going to be a close game. Yep. You don't get much closer than overtime. Uh, I still think the Colts end up uh, pulling out the win on a short week. Hundred percent. Cleveland at Cincy. I just don't think I'm going to say Cincy. I just don't think Cleveland has any energy in that offense anymore. Yeah, I, Baker's playing really hurt, man. Yeah, he listen. I give him a lot of credit. He's toughing it out, and his commercials are fantastic. So, like, I'm slowly becoming <laughs> a Baker Mayfield fan. Um, but I think. I said Cleveland has to, has more to lose in a loss from this game, but I also think Cincinnati is completely embarrassed after blowing that game against the New York Jets. Like they're mm-hmm. gonna get they're gonna get right this week. All right, so we're you're, you're, you're saying Cincy too. I'm saying Cincy as well. Denver at Dallas. Give me the Cowboys. I think Dak uh, suits up this week, and I think uh, Denver losing Von Miller doesn't help either. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, give me give me uh, give me the Cowboys. I'm taking Cowboys too. Houston at Miami. I think Tuba shows out shows up in a big way, and I think I think Miami um, <clears throat> pulls out a big win, and this will be the reason why next year they trade for Tuba. All right, Houston. I too think Miami is going to win this football game, but I don't think it has anything to do with Tua Tugaviola. I think it just has everything to do with the fact that the Houston Texans are a bad football team right now. And Miami is just a little bit better. That's what it boils down to for me. Mm-hmm. Falcons at Saints. Give, give me the Saints. I'm telling yeah. you, I, I'm not a believer in the Falcons. Uh, their offense looked anemic last week. I know against the Panthers. Uh, I just think I'm a big believer in the Saints defense and their rushing attack, especially getting Mark Ingram back. I just think it doesn't matter who's under quarterback uh, for the Saints. I think they can beat uh, this Falcons team. This wants uh, this. I so badly want this to be a game that I pick opposite of you because I do believe New Orleans are pretenders, but I don't think Atlanta has enough. And to me, this is all about New Orleans defense has nothing to do with New Orleans offense. And I think, Oh, oh yeah. I think yeah. Alvin Ridley, MIA. I mean, yeah, what? this is new. Yeah. I, I got saints here too. Uh, Raiders at G men. The one o'clock game. One o'clock game. Yeah. G men. Wow. Uh, like, let me tell you why though. I, I feel like the Raiders coming off a bye. Um, be a little uh, might be a little stale and also the news that just came out yep. today with Henry Ruggs could be a huge distraction for an interim coach to this you know they're losing a playmaker and uh one of their bigger playmakers okay the Giants almost beat the Chiefs in Kansas City now yeah. you got the Raiders flying to on a one o'clock game even the G-Men dude I got G-Men too I for all the the same reasons I know like I wanted this to be opposite as well and I think on paper it looks like it should be opposite but G-Men are playing tough playing tough football right now. Um, and I agree 
everything about the Henry Ruggs news and an interim head coach being the one to have to deal with this right now. I just think it's a, it's a big, a big distraction. And what I worry is more the giant anemic offense. I think their defense is playing very well. They had opportunities to pick off Mahomes left and right, dropped interceptions, phantom penalties penalties called on the last drive of the game to put them in position to win. I think their defense is putting them in good spots. And I'm hoping Jason Garrett um, can piece some things together, but I'm G-men on this game as well. All right, Patriots Patriots at Carolina. Um, give me, uh, I mean, give me the Patriots. Yeah, I'm, I'm Pats all day. I don't know if Sam Darnold, yeah, I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to play. He has concussion, concussion and what have you. Even if he did, I'm not sure how much that moves the needle for me. Uh, I, I do think, uh, I think this is where New England starts picking up steam. Honestly, I think if, uh, Sam Darnold was playing, it would, I'd be even more in favor of New England, because don't forget Bill Checks, <laughs> Bill Belichick's the one that creates ghosts for this man. Yeah. Um, so I just think it, it's Pats all day. Then you got Buffalo at Jacksonville. Next. Okay. Gonna... Um, I am Bills as well, just to confirm when I go back and tally <laughs> this. Uh, Vikings at Ravens. This is an interesting game. I, I will go, because uh, I always feel like the Vikings – they play up to their competition or down to their competition. And I do feel like uh, it'll be a competitive game, but all in all, I, I feel like the Vikings uh, will lose to the Ravens. So I'm picking the Ravens. I agree. I think it'll be a very close competitive game. I think defensively Minnesota has what it takes to stymie Baltimore a little bit, but in the end, Lamar Jackson will be too much and, and the Ravens will win the football game. Uh, your L.A. Chargers at the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just going to come out and say it first. This is a 4:05 game, so it's not a true East Coast. Like, it's East Coast, but it's on the right time clock for the, the Chargers. Uh, I got I got the bolts all day. I do have Los Angeles as well. Uh, I do think this will be probably closer than people think. Okay. Well, we have the same result here. Green Bay at Kansas City. This is an interesting one. Um, my, my brain wants to say the Chiefs, but I'm going to go – my heart says the Packers. So I'm going to say the Packers. I'm not confident in this pick whatsoever, by the way. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. And just to be, is this our first, uh, our first yeah, difference? Yeah, right? yeah, I want to I wanna create some differential between us a little bit. Um, so this is be like my NFL Network countdown lone wolf. Ow! With my pick on this. But um, <laughs> the reason why I'm picking the Chiefs is I actually in my heart don't believe the Chiefs will win this football game. I do believe it's the Green Bay Packers. But I'm going to document myself as taking the Chiefs. And it's because if the Chiefs can't win this game, then they are who we thought they are for the 2021 NFL season based on their previous performances. Thank you, Congressman Smith. You just talked in a circle, bro. I, mean, yeah. I don't even know who you just picked right now, but you're going to win it. <laughs> I, am, I am. That's right. So I can refute this no, ma- no matter which way. Um, I, I should be a politician. But, no, but I'm, I'm documenting myself. I am taking the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. Okay. Okay. Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. 
this is hard because you don't know if Murray's going to play. Hopkins is banged up. Um, you know what? I'll let you go first on this one. I'm taking so, the 40, I'm taking the 49ers. Are you taking the 49ers for the fact that you don't think Murray plays? Because I don't think Murray plays. And if Murray doesn't play um, and it's Colt McCoy, I know we haven't won a home game in God knows how long. Um, but I, I, I just, I just, I just have to take the, this team right now. If this is a different, the Arizona Cardinals are a completely different football team without Kyler Murray on the football field. Let's be very transparent about that. I also will take the Niners. Um, Arizona's banged up. They lost yeah. Watt. Uh, Hopkins is hobbled. Um, Murray, even if he does play, he's not going to be running around as much as he used to. Um, so what do they really have out there if you lose all those? That's, that's a big trio to be missing or be you know hampered with yeah. injuries. So I'm going to go Niners. Yep. So Sunday night. Titans versus the LA Rams. You got to go Rams here. Uh, I would have loved to see Derrick Henry versus them. That would have been a hell of a game, but uh, I'm going Rams. I'm going Rams. I think if Derrick Henry was playing in this game, I probably would have gone Tennessee because I think um, they would have ground and pound and ground and pound and time of possession would have been a real thing. And if they could establish the run, I think they give themselves every opportunity to keep Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup on the sideline. Um, and you can run against the LA Rams, regardless of what you contrary to belief, like you can run the football at Aaron Donald. It's been done. It's been done. What you can't do is drop back consistently against Aaron Donald. He gets pressure, but you can run the football at him every once in a while. We have to run at him. You can't run away from him because he'll track you down right on the line. Um, Monday night, you got the Bears against the terrible towels. Give me those towels. I'm gonna um, take the. I'm gonna take the Bears. Okay. Um, to, just to be a little bit. It's in, it's in Pittsburgh, right? It's in Pittsburgh. It is in Pittsburgh. Um, all obvious. All obvious signs point to the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? But I do think. I just don't believe. I I just think you're trying to make up another game on me. <laughs> I am trying to make up a game. Hey, listen, this is a strategy like anybody else. Um, the NFL has proven any given Sunday. Um, I do think they'll get pressure on Justin Fields, but I think he can eat up their second level if he scrambles and breaks free and can get away from TJ Watt. Um, and I, I believe that they should have Khalil Mack back by then. And I think that adds just a little bit more of a dimension to the, the defensive side of the ball for the, uh, for the Chicago bears. I will say Pittsburgh offensive line is starting to play way better ball than they have earlier in the year. So, um, better pass protecting, better run blocking. Uh, so it, they're starting to sh- uh, ball out that offensive line. So being like the steals of old, that is why I think even with Mac back, they can probably sustain like a, uh, a neutral try to you know help like get that neutralize Mac. So I'm I'm still going with Steelers here. Yeah, I think they've collectively been playing better football. Um, but and, yeah, the Bears gut. also lost Eddie Jackson too. I think too. So yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going with Steelers. Just a gut. Um, I'm going to go with the Bears because so far this NFL season, Sunday night games, Monday night games, they've all been competitive. So we'll see if that uh, trend continues. All right. So that's documented. We'll see where we tally up after week nine of the NFL season. Our final most favorite segment. Uh, Let's talk about 
give me give me a fantasy player for week nine that is a must own must play Hunter Renfro versus the G-Men. Now, why am I saying that? Obviously, with the absence of rugs probably this week, uh, they're going to have to throw the ball to someone. And actually, the last over the last four weeks, the four games they've played, he's averaging over seven targets a game. So I think that number's going to go up exponentially with rugs being out. Uh, and I just feel like um, the Giants have good corners on the outside, on the boundary. I think they could be a little susceptible to uh, – uh, uh, over the slot. So I feel like Hunter Refro could be a sneaky play this week. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And obviously a lot of things just came to light. But um, I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon versus the Chiefs. Okay. Um, for multiple weeks, I've just been finding an offensive player who's going against the Chiefs and just plugging them into this scenario. It feels like a, a winning formula because um, they really can't stop the run. And I think between Aaron Jones – A.J. Dillon, the Packers are probably going to have a field day running on them, even though I picked the Chiefs, right, to, to win this game. I think you're going to see Dillon with 12-plus touches. So if you're hurting at running back, you had Derrick Henry, maybe you got this guy stashed, um, this is somebody to play. Um, I don't have him. I was giving Full exposure, full yeah. disclosure, I don't have him in any league. So I was giving you the out. I was going to say Michael Carter, too, uh, this okay. past week. I just feel like – uh, they're probably going to try to lean on him again and also uh, picture him getting a bunch of dump-offs uh, against that Colts defense. Uh, so I was, I was giving you that option to uh, choose Michael Carr this, uh, this next week. Uh, no, I, um, my, my, second, <laughs> my secondary player would be another running back, and it's actually Jeremy McNichols. Um, we know Derrick Henry is done for the season. Uh, I know they brought in the 37, 38-year-old AP um, that's going to take time to come to fruition, things like game shape and things of that nature. But I'm thinking about this more from a game flow and against the Rams and how this game could get out of hand early. And that game flow could dictate a lot of burn for somebody like McNichols, who's averaging 10 yards as a catch as a running back and could see plenty of targets. You know, if the Rams defensively are trying to swallow A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, um, I just think he becomes another target. And it's one of those things where, like I always say with fantasy, Fantasy football doesn't care who wins who wins or loses the game. Garbage time stats matter just as much. I think this guy is a 12 in a PPR league is a 12 point plus play this week. Okay. All, All right. right. So that that That's wraps this up. And this has been yeah, this has been fun. Uh, I will do the the plugging as always. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WPF Pod NFL. And Weston, go ahead and tell us where they can follow, uh, how they can subscribe up to our YouTube channel. Yeah, please follow us on YouTube at We Are Talking Football. We're Talking Football. So W E apostrophe R E Talking Football. Hit that subscribe button. Watch a couple of videos. Go back through the legacy videos. But before before we jet Lou, I want to hit you with a proposition for next week. Okay. Thoughts on maybe scrapping one of our segments potentially overreactions for just a week and coming back with our mid-year awards for potentially Ooh. offensive, you know, MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Um, and we don't, you know, cause we're only going to scrap a segment. I'm not necessarily thinking we have to do like AFC 
rookie of the year, NFC rookie of the year, like maybe just a single offensive player, the uh, rookie of the year, single defensive rookie of the year. Thoughts on that? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I think that's that's what the fans want, uh, the millions and millions of fans that we have. So, yeah, I'm going to allow that. All right, perfect. So you and I will sync on that, what that looks like (laughs) prior to. Um, But as always, man, happy, happy 25th. Um, I've enjoyed all 25 of these with you so far, hopefully 125 more to go, Um, but enjoy the rest of your evening, man. And we'll catch up again real soon. Well, I got to say 25 never looked so good. Never felt so good. (laughs) Adios, brother.